The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Bradley Shaw, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, it was only a matter of time. T.J. McCants, Ole Miss baseball outfielder. He's the best baseball player to ever exist. It might be a little too much. He's coming up in about 15, 20 minutes. But first, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? I'm surprised you were able to get to that, a, a T.J. McCants interview without um, you know, getting his autograph or something. I know, you're, I know you're a huge fan. Yeah, I don't deny it. In this job, um, you got to stay impartial. I am not impartial when it comes to T.J. McCann. <laughs> it was basically like 20 uh, minutes of me just telling him how great he was. Well, for good reason. I mean, he's a he's an unbelievable freshman. What kind of? I mean, obviously, I don't get to meet the baseball players. What kind of guy? What kind of guys, T.J.? I mean, I, I've, I've never met any of the baseball guys. In the Zoom press conferences, which are in official capacity after games, he's kind of low key, chill, doesn't really say anything, very monotone, answers the questions very succinctly, basic. There's nothing special about it. But I get him one on one. And the personality comes out. He's awesome. He was great, man. And he's going to be a superstar. Here's something to keep an eye on, though, moving forward. And I know this is going to, like, pour some cold water on this Thursday. He's draft eligible next year. Well, where did we recruit? Did he not come straight from high school? He did, but that's the rule. It depends on your age when you're draft eligible. Same thing with Ryan Rollison. Ryan Rollison was signed out of high school, but he left uh, after two years because of when his birthday was. Same thing with TJ McCants. And think about this. In conference play... Dude's hitting 367. He's got an OPS of 1.067, I think it is. OBP well over 400, all five home runs. If he does this again, assuming that he continues to do what he's doing right now, and he's now leading off for Ole Miss baseball, and then goes into next year and does it again, yeah, he's going to be a top five-round pick. Yeah, I would agree. But, you know, what's crazy about him is like you keep waiting, like, okay, when's he going to cool off? When's he going to cool off? But yeah. he just continually, he just continually smacks the ball. And one thing people, one thing I'm actually excited about. So, I mean, obviously people know his brother's going to Mississippi State. Um, that's going to be something. That's going to be kind of fun next year. I mean, hopefully, yeah. I mean, I wonder if his brother's going to be as good as him. But um, I mean, maybe if they're both in there playing against each other, that's going to be a, that's going to add a fun element. To, I mean, a fun element to um, T.J. McCants. Yeah. Of course, we finally got him where he deserved to be, and that's at the top of the order. Now, if we can just get Mike to move Hayden Leatherwood up. For some reason, Hayden Leatherwood, who leads Ole Miss in hitting in conference play, is basically doing a Tyler Keenan in conference play. And remember, when the season ended last year in 2020 when the pandemic hit, the two best hitters on Ole Miss's roster were who? Tyler Keenan and Hayden Leatherwood, he was raking. Well, he's doing the same thing again, and for some reason, he continues to bat low in the order. I guess it's baby steps, and I'm not trying to knock this one particular player, but Peyton Chatney's really struggled for the last four weeks, really struggled, and yet he continues to hit second 
I guess because he's right-handed. And look, I know that Mike loves his lefty-righty matchups, even though that's a very antiquated way of thinking about lineup construction. If he would move Hayden up and just use his best hitters where they deserve to be, yes, they'd all be left-handed, but his three best hitters against left-handed pitching are lefties. So, look, baby steps here, baby steps. I know there's only one weekend left in the regular season, but baby steps and TJ McCants is finally hitting leadoff. So I take the wins where I can get them, and TJ McCants is coming up on the Modern Women phone line in just a little bit. But one thing I wanted to touch on, and we've got a lot of other things I want to hit on too, football things in particular, but one thing I wanted to touch on before we get to the lead, to the football fix, Ole Miss lost on Tuesday to UT Martin, and that loss was ugly. But as far as its hosting possibilities, it meant nothing. The big takeaway was Ole Miss's pitching depth is every bit the concern that we thought it was. Because Brandon Johnson, as good as he was, he's an option potentially moving forward. Everybody else, no one stood out all that much. Ole Miss's pitching depth, looking toward the postseason, it's just not there. Because you got the SEC tournament coming up next week in Hoover. If Ole Miss is to make a run, who is its fourth starter? Who's the fifth guy to start a game? Do you got to bring Doug back on short rest? You don't want to do that. What does the SEC tournament mean? I don't know. All I know is this. If Ole Miss goes to Athens this weekend when it faces Georgia for three games and wins one, it will have 17 wins in the league. Historically, when Ole Miss gets to 17 SEC wins, it hosts a regional. So Ole Miss is going to host a regional assuming that it doesn't get swept this weekend. Even if it gets swept this weekend, goes to Hoover, wins a couple of games, it's probably hosting because of what's happened in other games to other potential viable hosting candidates. But Ole Miss is still in the exact same position today as it was going into the loss on Tuesday. So that game didn't mean anything. I know Ole Miss fans are frustrated, and losing a midweek game like that is just absolutely awful looking. But as far as the bigger picture, it just doesn't matter. Listen, it's just one of those one of those things where they, they let one slip away that we haven't really had one all year other than La Tech, which was, that was kind of a weird week. We had a guy get COVID, and just kind of a weird week with Ole Miss baseball. But you know, at the end of the day, I think I think you're right. I think the the most important thing is is this series this weekend. Let's go on to to um, Georgia handle business two out of three at the at the minimum, um, and, and let's get out of here. And I think I think we'll be a hosting team. So this late in the year, a, a midweek game. I mean, you would hope the pitching would it would have been a little bit better. I mean, that's that's twice Austin Miller's came in and gave up just a massive home run. Um, so I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I, I honestly it sucked to lose to them because they're a really bad team, but end of the day we go on to georgia win this series and, and you just you, you put it behind you Ole Miss dropped from 12 to 14 they're still in the top 15 in the rpi that's where they need to be as they prepare to make the final push to host but Ole Miss goes into the final weekend of the regular season 16 conference wins that's the fourth time in the last 10 years in each of the previous three which was 2014 2016 and 2018 they were awarded a regional so as long as they win one History says they're going to host, and that's what Mike Clement said on this podcast on Tuesday. He feels comfortable at 17 wins, but you got to get some work done this weekend. Again, though, going back to the pitching or the lack of depth, Josh Mallets was bad. Stop trying to make Josh Mallets a thing. He can't be your fourth starter. He's proven it again. He's now got a 7.94 ERA after getting lit up by UT Martin. And let's not even touch back on that Mississippi State series because that Mississippi State series – the malice decision, I think a lot of people, if things go sideways, if Ole Miss doesn't make it to a Super, to the College World Series, a lot of people will continue to look back at that malice decision and say, 
that's where it all started to turn. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree. Now, granted, Ole Miss had already lost a number of weekend series up to that point. But the way they lost that game and it being a direct result of a decision, a poor decision made by Mike Bianco, I think a lot of people will go back to that. So the Josh Malice experiment, it's time to kind of end that. Your fourth starter most likely is just a bullpen game. But here's the problem. Derek Diamond starts are probably bullpen games too. And who are those options behind them? Well, Brandon Johnson is possibly one now. He looks really good. The Juco righty came in. He stuffed it against UT Martin. He could be a guy that could maybe start for you a couple of innings. But Ole Miss isn't in the best of spots as far as its depth as it heads into the postseason. If you want to see another run in Hoover like you saw last year, yeah, you're going to need some other guys to step up. This is something we touched on already. But Austin Miller, it was almost the exact same outing he had against Vanderbilt. He comes in, inherits runners, and gives up a homer. Austin Miller at this point, I don't know if you could even remotely trust him with meaningful innings. Now, Tyler Myers, he's fine. He's not great, not ideal. He's fine. Austin Miller, you can't trust him anymore. And it sucks because he's been a great veteran relief option for Ole Miss for years. But right now, for what he is right now, he ain't it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy going into the season. You you had all these names in mind that were going to be some of your top relievers, and now they're just they're, they're non-existent. I mean, and the, and the ones, I mean, the guys that are actually your top relievers now are guys that, um, you know, you've got like a Jack Doherty, you know, Kimbrell, guys like that. I mean, you didn't think that they were going to be, you know, have the role they're going to have. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see Johnson getting there. He looked good. He was throwing, I mean, he was throwing some heat. I, I just don't know if it was if it was flat or if it had, you know, decent stuff on it. We'll have to see if he can get that breaking ball over for for a strike versus some quality opponents. But yeah, I mean, a guy throwing like that should have a, um, should have a chance to get in there and get some innings. So yeah, we will see. I mean, the bullpen to me is um, it's, it's, it's our, it's our main weakness right now. Almost still has the lineup and enough pitching, especially top end pitching with Doug to win in the postseason. But that's where if you're Mike, you have to utilize what you have and maximize what you have through lineup construction and how you manage your pitchers in your bullpen. And lineup-wise, it just is not going to ever make sense if you continue to hit Hayden Leatherwood 8. I get that there is a common belief in coaches that you don't want to fix what isn't broken as far as production. And Ole Miss offensively is one of the very best teams in the country, one of the very best teams, if not the best team in the SEC in regards to offense. But they could still be better. That's the thing. Yeah, those numbers are great. But they could be even better if the right guys are hitting where they're supposed to be. And I don't know, man, Hayden Leatherwood hitting where he's hitting will never make sense to me. It will never make sense to me. So for anybody out there listening, Mike Bianco, you might be listening. I know you've listened many times before. Move Hayden Leatherwood up. It's time. It's past time. He's basically doing what Tyler Keenan did. And Tyler Keenan never hit lower than sixth. So move my man up. We got TJ McCants to lead off. And I finally got him on this podcast. Now the project is Hayden Leatherwood. Let's get Hayden Leatherwood where he's supposed to be. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. There are a couple of football items we need to touch on. The first is a part of the lead. Our lead story tonight. The lead. You idiot. It's the lead. The lead. The lead brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you. 
and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Make sure to tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Now, they're hardcore Ole Miss fans that are going to talk about Ole Miss football, baseball, you name it. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000 or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, trucker, Jeep, Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. Okay, Brad, so Trey Berry, Jacksonville State tied in that Ole Miss was pursuing in the transfer portal, committed to Boston College. Because you and I have been talking about, and many thought this, that tight end was one of the biggest need areas for Ole Miss in the transfer portal. And here was a guy that Ole Miss led on, was at least in the top three four. Potentially could have had if it wanted him, and yet he ends up at Boston College. What happened? Well, I think the whole Trey Berry thing, let's start. Um, I know it was reported that he... Um, you know, we were targeting him and we were, but I think that, I think the extent of that, I, I really think they want him to walk on. And, um, I, I honestly, when you got other scholarship offers, um, that, that, you know, he, he wasn't just going to come walk on and turn down a, a Boston college or a pit or, or one of the other schools that were after him. Um, and, and I, I think it was a mixed, mixed review within the program. I think, um, you know, some guys liked him was like, Hey, this guy will be fine. He'll, he'll add to the room. Um, you know, he, he's better. He's as, he's as good as what we have. We can, we can win with them. And I think, um, other guys were under the impression like, Hey, let's, let's not waste a scholarship. Let's try to find a, find a, if, if a target comes available or maybe they have someone else in mind. But if, uh, um, you know, I, I think they're thinking they can do a little better there. So I don't think that we're as high on him as, as, as it was originally reported. But, um, yeah, I mean, he certainly, if Ole Miss would have offered him and said, Hey, sign, he would have signed, you know, immediately or a while ago so um it sucks i do not think we lost out on him i think we simply just just didn't want to commit to that um that option this early in the process i think i think we're thinking somebody else is going to come available seems like there was a faction specifically on the offensive side that really doggedly pursued this then you're saying Ole Miss could have had it yeah Ole Miss Ole Miss would have certainly got him a a while ago probably you know a couple months ago honestly whenever he whenever he was first considering going to the quarter whenever he was first considering it um, I just think that at the end of the day, um, Lane thought he could do better, um, you know, which at the end of the day, he can't. I mean, he's not a the, the kid. He certainly is an athletic body, 6'7", 245, whatever. But, I mean, they watch all the film. They evaluate him. They, they like him. They liked him for a walk-on. I mean, it, it is what it is, and he probably wasn't willing to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if we wanted him, we could have certainly had him. Is there a problem with the coaches not being on the same page in this regard? So you've got one faction that thinks he can help. We need somebody else in the room. Here's a guy we believe can help. While another group says, ah, screw it, we'll just go with what we got, or we'll pursue something what we think is better. Is that a problem? Is that something that potentially could be an issue down the road? No, I don't think so. I think I think want to make sure you nail it. This, uh, say you go out two months ago and you give Trey Barry a scholarship, and then all of a sudden – boom, a tight end from USC or a tight end from somewhere that you really like comes available and is willing to come because he has a relationship with a coach and then you don't have a scholarship for him. Um, and you can't just go back and tell Trey, hey, you know, uh, you, you don't have a scholarship now. You're not coming. So I think they're just being really picky there. That they, I think they have confidence in, um, 
you know, be able to get it done with what they have. You know, obviously you got, you got Hudson Wolf who, who you can easily put in there and just say, you know what, you're a freshman, you're going to get thrown in the fire. This is, this is you, you know, he's a good athlete. He can certainly get it done. But I just, I just think that they want to, um, that they feel like there's something that could come available here that, um, that, that could be a better option, maybe an SEC guy or a, or a bigger conference guy that's actually produced. What do you make though of the lack of any kind of real movement in the portal for Ole Miss? Well, one thing we we don't need to forget is this: um, we have a lot of our our starters returning, and we have a talented team. So it's not like we're this dead. We're not like we're not in the situation that basketball's in, where they're they're trying to find legit starters to come in. I think they're just saving those spots. And, uh, and first off, that's how Lane operates. He's he's very close. He keeps everything very close to his best. He doesn't go out and say, "I think things happen." That um, you know, I think even he's quiet within the building. I mean, I think that he he does. Lane does his thing. You know that, that that's him, and that's that, that's one thing we appreciate about him. But I think we're in a spot where where he's saying, "Hey, I got enough talent to win. I, I'm going to produce at a high clip. Let's let's keep our you know let's keep our options open. If somebody comes available here late, let's not let's not let's not get stuck in a situation where we don't have a scholarship available for." a really good difference maker kind of player that, that would want to come. So I, I just don't think we're in this desperate need of, of talent. So I think the portal is, is more, Hey, I can be picky. It's just no different than a team in the NFL draft that already has a winning team. They feel like they can, you know, just take the best available. And I think that's where we're at. I mean, other tight end, you would say, Hey, we probably need a guy. But other than that, I, I still think we can survive with anybody, you know, with, if we got no one in the portal, I think Ole Miss football will be fine this year. Okay. So what position is, okay, we've got to have one of those. If tight end wasn't that, then what position is that? What fits that criteria then? I don't think we have one. I don't think we have a position where we're just absolutely have to have to have a guy. You would love, you would love a lineman, you know, another, you know, tackle and, and another tight end. That would make you, that would make you a lot better. Yeah. But I don't think we're in a situation where we're just that bad at a certain position where you just, if you don't have a guy, you're going to, you're going to see it out there on the field. So I think you can do things with the scheme. I think you got enough playmakers to where, you know, if, if, if maybe Lane didn't use his tight end as much this year, you can, you can go more five wide sets. You can go, you know, you can do a lot of different stuff. Um, but at the same time, man, I mean, Hudson Wolf should be full go by camp. Maybe he's an unbelievable freshman and you look up and he's got the same numbers Jaboa had last year as a freshman and nobody's even talking about a tight end. So um, I, I just think that I don't think we're just you know, in dire need of anybody. It would be nice. It'd be an extra credit to have some guys, but let's just, let's just leave a spot or two open just in case. And, um, you know, I know that there's, um, I know they're probably working hard trying to target those guys. If anything, if you look at what Ole Miss has done with the portal so far, slot receiver has really been where the most heated pursuits have been. If, if you look at, if you look at scheme here, um, I mean, that, that that's what Lane does, man. They throw the ball, they spread it out. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think he finds comfort in having a, a really good wide receiver room with a lot of options. And I don't, I mean, I really don't think Lane had that last year. Yeah, we had a very good single option. We had Elijah Moore. But what's at, what what would Lane's offense and Levy's offense look like if you had two or three talented guys on the, you know, really high-end guys at wide receiver? We haven't had that yet. And um, once we do get it, I think his thoughts are, you know, we could be even more dangerous, you know, so – um, yeah, I, can, I, I certainly see that as a as a as a big target. I, I think we'll always recruit a bunch of good wide receivers here as long as he's the coach. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to want that room to be stacked um, at all times, just because I think it would help out our offense even more having a maybe a really good slide than having a downtown guy, having a you know having a good good possession receiver. I think you're going to need you know multiple receivers to really to really see this offense open up. The wide receiver that went to Alabama, Trey Berry and the defensive tackle from UAB. Those are the three guys that 
we heard a lot of Ole Miss with. The UAB defensive tackle, he would have fit a need because Ole Miss doesn't have that big plug-and-play defensive tackle that it needs, and he went to Auburn. Like anyone that says that Ole Miss just didn't want to take that kid, he wasn't one of the best available, that's just horse hockey. They wanted that kid. They absolutely wanted that kid. He went to Auburn. It's just interesting that if they had wanted, really wanted Trey Berry, they could have had him. And now you still have what we think is a need at tight end, but it shows that maybe we don't know exactly what Lane thinks he needs, right? Maybe that changes for him day to day when he looks at the personnel. He just doesn't know exactly what he wants yet. Or if he thinks, well, yeah, I liked him, but today I think we need this guy. This guy just entered the portal. I think I like him more. Maybe that's what the strategy is right now. I just don't, I don't know what his um, kind of frame of mind is right now. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I just think it's, um, you know, I, I just think that he has he keeps stuff close to his best, and that's um, that's just the way he, way he does it. But I mean, I, I think that I think he thinks there may be somebody better out there, or maybe he has someone out there better that we that we don't know about. But um, you know, I think at that position, he wants to he wants to find like his guy, a certain kind of guy. And maybe maybe he wasn't as high on him. I mean, that's um, that that's what I've gathered from it. So um yeah i mean it's it's lane's call and um i'm sure somebody will come up i mean i can't imagine them going into the season without bringing in a guy but um i i think his thought is hey if we had him i mean is he is he worth committing to two months and losing that spot or does he make that big of a difference um you know going into the season i, I think he thinks he could live without a trey berry well the question i have is does randy clements being dismissed fired whatever you want to call it in a weird time right after the spring, if it has anything to do with this, which brings us to the football fix. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage, but intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Let's play some football! Run right to the back of him! It's time now for Football Fix. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. 
It's time for another Football Fix brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who's highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. So hey, college student, fresh out of college, heading into the summer, you're looking for a job, call Thomas Chandler. For more information, reach out to him directly on Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. So we've been talking about Trey Berry here and what all went into Ole Miss not taking him, not landing him. He ends up at Boston College. Well, Randy Clements, does that play into this at all? Um, well, I, I think that I think it probably played in some of the O line recruits um, that we were potentially targeting or whatever. But I mean, that 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 goes with it, though, man. I mean, when an O line coach leaves, you know, obviously some of his targets are are not going to you know probably be in on Ole Miss anymore potentially. But at the same time, when they go to hire a guy, maybe he has guys that he was recruiting from other schools as well, and it adds a adds a prospect or two. So um, I, I don't know that it necessarily necessarily killed. Um, killed the Trey Berry thing. I don't know if that had any, anything to do with, with Clem at all. Um, I think that was just simply almost passing, but yeah, I know with O-line recruits, you're, you're obviously going to lose a few, um, especially guys that he was recruiting and, and guys he was in on. But at the same time, whenever you go to hire a new guy, you should gain a prospect or two that, that probably wasn't on our board. What is the update on the offensive line coach search? Um, well, I, I know they've just been, been interviewing guys. I, I don't think that, um, like I said before, I just don't think this was, um, I don't think there was a guy in mind. Um, I, I do think if they don't find a guy, it, it will probably it'll be potentially the, the kid from Missouri. Um, I think that would, if, if they've just put two and two together, if that, that's probably the the backup plan. If if things don't, um, you know, if they don't find their guy, but I know they've been doing interviews. I know they did it. They did interview um, Phil Lodeholt, who is a um, who's already on staff. He he actually took an interview, which was surprising because I know he wasn't wasn't really wanting to be a head guy. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I think they're just still interviewing guys. I think it's just, uh, um, you know, trying to sort through the candidates and at the end of the day, man, I mean, when you fire a coach that, that late in the process, it's, um, your candidate pool is very limited and, um, you know, it's kind of hard to sell at that point when you're saying, Hey, you know, you're going to find a guy and potentially, you know, they may get someone else at that at the end of the year. So it's just, I think this year, this time of year, it's just hard to find a guy to bring in, um, you know, a, a qualified candidate, but they're looking and searching. They're still doing some interviews, I'd imagine. And, um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll get a guy eventually. Cameron Norcross resigned from the position at UNLV. There was a rumor out there that he was resigning from that to take this job. Well, obviously that has not borne out. So who knows if Cameron Norcross is even a top candidate or a realistic candidate for Ole Miss right now. This is kind of shrouded in secrecy, but it goes back to a point that you made a long time ago. And it's not necessarily a knock on Lane so much as the idea that there was a plan once he fired Randy Clemens. There wasn't really a plan in place. There wasn't. He just felt like that was the time. It was like it had gotten to a point where the relationship was no longer tenable and they just there had to be a break. So the idea that yeah. there was this long game or big picture in mind for Lane Kiffin when he made the move, there wasn't. There just wasn't. Yeah, the other I, I I definitely do not think that there was like a guy in mind. I just think that was a simple um I think that was a simple fact of hey, two guys couldn't get on the same page. They didn't have a very good relationship at all. Um and it was just time to move on. I mean, you got coach Clem who is a unbelievable O-line coach that has a, he's a certain 
way and he's got a certain mindset. I mean, if you know Clem and have been around him, he's kind of quiet guy, kind of, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot, just kind of does things the way he does. He's an older fellow. Well, then you got Lane who's energetic, does all this other stuff. They just, I just don't think they, they were the perfect fit for each other. And then they just decided after spring to move on from each other. It's, it's not, you know, it happens, man. I mean, it's it, not a knock on either guy. Um, I think the timing was shitty. Um, that's you know, another way to put it. But I think at the end of the day that it lanes the boss and he, you know, that was, um, that was his decision and, and both guys will move on and be fine. I, I don't think there was necessarily a guy in place. Um, but I mean, if I feel like if there was, they would have already announced it, but, um, yeah, I think they're just going through the process trying to find a, find a guy that, that can replace Glenn. But at the same time, man, you got to find a guy that knows this offense. I mean, he's going to, it's about to be June here in the next couple of weeks. He's got to come in. He's got to have familiarity with the offense. So that's what leads me to believe it's, it's going to likely be, you know, a, a, either from within or, or, you know, a kid that, that has been with Lane before. Yeah. It's March 20th. The off season strength and conditioning program starts in a couple of weeks. I don't know the exact timeline, but June, once June hits, they'll be in the middle of it. And if you look at it from a recruiting cycle standpoint, the December signing period, you're right in the middle of things, right? You've got your camps coming up in June too. So is there a time in which this needs to happen or does the offensive line coach hire just not matter all that much, just have a guy in place by the time fall camp rolls around? No, it, it needs to happen as soon as yesterday. Um, it, it needs to happen ASAP in my opinion. Um, Cause you get here and here's the thing that people don't realize. So why, why I think this is shitty time. And it's cause I think of it from a, from a player standpoint, you look at a Nick broker, you look at a Ben Brown. Okay. These are guys that are projected to get drafted next year. And you're telling me they're not going to have an O-line coach likely until camp. And the reason I say this is cause in the summer coaches can't go out there and take their players and do drills with them and do all this different stuff. So um, you know, they're going to go into this, this season and they're the first time they're going to do individual is likely going to be in camp with a new coach who's going to be teaching them new techniques. He's going to have certain ways that he wants it done. So that, that to me is, is, is going to be tough. You would have liked to have, if he wanted to move on from Clem, move on at right after the season. So these guys could have time to get used to their coach. It's not, you don't just plug and play an O-line coach and, and because every guy teaches different, every guy, you know, has their different technique, different ways they want it done. Well, if you start messing with that in camp three weeks before your first game, it, it could, it could, you know, create some shakiness. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's how I look at it from a player standpoint. It's going to be tough for certain guys already in the room to, to pick up a, an O-line coach, um, you know, right at camp. I think we need to get a guy in there so that we can start communicating with the guys and start seeing how it's done, which also leads me back to believe that it's going to be from within or somebody that's, familiar with this group so that's that that's that's i think would be the best transition yeah that makes sense because i didn't really think about that in the spring they're just refining what they already know they're just going over this like all their reps are everything they learned last year and building on top of that with a new guy the spring would have been installing or just getting familiar with what he does and, and how he does things yes the scheme yep. and the verbiage and all that stuff is still Lane Kiffin scheme and verbiage. So that doesn't change. But as far as how the offensive line coach goes about practices and maybe he has a different philosophy in terms of how you do certain type of reach blocks and stuff like that. Like you're the offensive line guy. I, I don't know this kind of stuff. Yeah. Offensive line coaches, they all have different philosophies in terms of how you go no about doubt. blocking. I have never, so I've played for, uh, I can't even think probably six or seven or line coaches in my career and they're not a one experience was even similar. I'm talking like not even in the same straight. Every coach has his pet peeves. Every coach has a way he wants you to do certain things. Every coach has a way that he teaches. I mean, so I've been with guys that are super, you know, 
chill and laid back. And I've been with certain guys that are just like all over you. And then first of all, you don't know what drills. I mean, going through an endo with the O-line coach, it's always one of the hardest things because you got to kind of get used to the way he wants it done and the way his drill. I mean, he may have totally different drills you've never done. You know, just just different stuff in there that, that the common fan wouldn't think about. But it's actually a big deal, you know, when, when it comes to, to producing, you know, talent for a player and, and, and developing them, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And especially for an experienced guy like broker and, and Ben Brown, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that could, that could tinker with their game a little bit here, here kind of late in the process. So I'm not a fan of the timing, but you know, this is what you get with Lane Kiffin. He's a, he's, he's a man, he's, he's the head coach. He's a solid coach. So you just put your trust in him, and, and you know that he'll do the, do the right thing for Ole Miss and having his best interest. So the too long didn't read here is there's really not an update. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think they're just going through the interview process. There's, there's probably a, a guy or so that they may have in mind, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be somebody very close to the program or somebody that um, that, that really knows this offense. That's, that's the only other way you could do it. I mean, I don't I don't understand how a how a guy, just a, a random guy, that's a candidate on the on the pool, come in and 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 establish himself in such a short amount of time, and, and knowing the offense, and to be able to teach the offense, and to know his guy. So. I just think that I think that that would be asking a lot, but um, who knows? I mean, it, it, my guess is as good as anybody else's. How does this work under Lane, though? Does Lane pursue the candidates? Does Lane go after the candidates, or does the offensive leader, be it Jeff Levy or whoever, who does the interviewing? Who targets the candidates? Who's the one that goes and gets them and talks to them and kind of gives a pool of candidates for Lane Kiffin to consider? Is that how it works? I mean, does Lane do it? Who leads this stuff? I think they both. I think it's a. Um, it's led by, by Levy and Kiffin. I think that, um, if I had to guess, you know, it's all going to be involved. It's going to be a group effort there. Um, I think at the end of the day though, it's going to be, it's going to be Lane's call and that's, that is what it is. And that's, that's how it should be. He's the head coach. But, um, yeah, I I think it's a group group effort from within. This is talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit, been on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, Leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. It doesn't matter. Red Circle, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. doesn't matter. Wherever you get your podcast, you can now get Talk of Champions. So wherever you get your podcast, search Talk of Champions, and you'll find us. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go down to the Modern Women phone line to speak to TJ McCants. I finally got him on the podcast. But before we do that, got to let Brad go. See you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, Toddy. Let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy. 
a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Ole Miss outfielder, center fielder. It's TJ McCants. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a great start for you, obviously, to your Ole Miss career. I mean, at this point, it's the last week of the regular season. So it's been a good year for your first year as an Ole Miss baseball player. It's kind of a loaded question for you, TJ, but what's this year been like for you, man? Uh, at first, it was it was a little tough. You know, um, uh, we went down to Texas, and I, I didn't get a chance to play. And um, I finally got a chance to play when uh, Peyton got hurt and uh, – I did pretty good, so uh, I was able to to work my way into the starting lineup. So it's kind of been a uh, emotional roller coaster, and uh, ever since then, I've I've just been uh, taking it one day at a time, one game at a time, you know, one pitch at a time. So uh, it's been cool. What goes into never playing outfield really, to then being a pretty darn good defender at this point? Like, what did you work on in particular to get to this place? Um, Coach Cleary uh, really does a good job with us in the, uh, in practice. And making sure we get good work in. Uh, mainly, I'd say the toughest part about uh, trans um, going to the outfield was the balls that tail, like uh, the ones that come right at you and then they'll run away from you. It kind of makes it look like you're taking bad angles, but in reality, you're running where it's going, but it just starts tailing so because you can't really see the slice at first. So uh, that was kind of tough for me at first. Uh, in Florida, I had a few of those that got to the fence that have been able to stop because of tail and stuff like that. So we've been working on it and uh I think it's it's I think I gotten better at it. So how hard is it to read a ball off the bat? Because I would assume that that's probably one of the most difficult things for an outfitter because you gotta kind of freeze at your spot to try to get a read on where it's going. So mm-hmm. was that the hardest one of the hardest adjustments for you? Honestly no. Like uh the pop ups that are just like uh the ones that they don't tail that, that don't tail as much, mm-hmm. I've I've honestly been getting pretty good reads off of, on them. Uh, surprisingly, I kind of surprised myself on that one too. Uh, especially the ones that are side to side, you can you get a, a much better angle. I'd say the ones that are right at you, kind of, yeah, they're kind of tougher to see where they are, especially like line drives. So, uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't think they were that hard to adjust to, to be honest. Just be honest now, okay? In your heart, are you still a shortstop, mm-hmm. or do you feel like okay, I'm a center fielder now? Uh, I still want to play shortstop. Yeah, someday. that's what I thought. Uh, but right now, for, yeah, yeah. For, for right now, for this season, uh, and for the team, I'm 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 a, I'm a center fielder. So, 
you know, you got that student section behind you that throws beer whenever y'all hit home runs. But also, you're standing out there by yourself a lot. Do you ever talk to the student section? Um, they'll talk to me, and I'll like, <laughs> I'll give them yeses and noes and stuff like that. They, when we throw the ball back, they'll uh, put work, they'll put stuff on the ball, and we'll give them our answer and stuff. So uh, I don't really ever talk to them. Like, uh, like John Rice talks to them and stuff. I don't, I don't really ever talk to them though. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the baseballs, man, because that's the thing that started a couple of years back when you first got a baseball with something written on it. Was it a weird deal for you? Were you like, what the hell is this? Uh, I was, My first time doing it, I was cause I started in left, and JB was in center. And I saw him get the ball. He gave up like a number back to the student section. I was like, huh? So I looked at the ball, and there was a question on it. And I, uh, I was like, oh, okay. So then we give the answer back, and they give their reaction or whatever. So it was cool. I, I kind of like it. I yeah, wait. Like no one told you that that's the thing that happens in the outfield? No. My first time doing it, no one told me about it. Because the first time I ever played in the outfield was at La Tech. And we weren't home. So I didn't get to experience it. And I, I guess they just forgot. just went over their head. And I saw uh, before when I was on the bench at a home game, I saw John Rice throwing the ball out there. I was like, oh, John Rice is giving our balls away, man. And then I was <laughs> that's when I learned that, you know, when I went out there and started one game that we actually – that they throw it back to us, and that's what we warm up with. So. Well, John Rice just talks to everybody, TJ. I mean, look, it doesn't matter if it's like a tradition with Ole Miss baseball or not. He's just going to run his mouth constantly. So, I mean, I could understand why you would think, yeah. oh, what, is, what, what is he doing, you know? Um, looking back at your high school career, yeah. man, before we jump into some other things, you were 2020 perfect game, all Florida region first team selection, um, 2019 perfect game underclassman, All-American. Look, you had a bunch of offers coming out of high school. You could have gone anywhere. When did you know? When did you know that you uh, wanted to go to Ole Miss? Honestly, when I first when I came down here, um, they didn't have the the full facility. Like they were built remaking a facility and stuff. They were in the middle of building uh, the new performance center and all that stuff. And um, Coach B gave me a, a little tour of the facility and stuff. Was uh, we were able to go talk to Miss Sheila. That's what my mom really liked because you know she's the uh, school counselor for me and stuff like that so um we were able to do that and just the field it seemed like it was it was really cool like I hadn't really seen a a, a field that nice and since I had been playing and at the end he showed us the the blueprint of like the the uh, layout for the performance center and I thought that was like so neat like uh having like a full like the weight room that they were talking about building and stuff like that and uh, as time went on, I would see on the, on the social media and stuff how big of a baseball school Ole Miss actually was, and like how the uh, the fans and stuff would interact with the players and the beer showers, all that stuff. So the, the rivalries, all of it was just nice, and I, I just knew I wanted to be here. It felt like home. Now, you got a brother, Jordan, that's going to Mississippi State. What happened there? Uh, That's on him, man. He, <laughs> he wanted to go with he wanted to go his own route, so you know. I mean, I'm a supporter wherever he go. Uh, but I mean, that was his decision. I mean, I didn't try to sway him to go to Ole Miss or State, so um, that was all him. I'm telling you, every time I'm on the message board during a game, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I always get asked, "Hey, what what happened with TJ's brother Jordan?" I'm like, I, I don't know. Look, I've got two brothers. I got a twin brother, and I've never told them what the hell to do. So I would assume that you're just like, "Oh, where, go where you want to go." Wait, Mississippi State? Well, there's a rivalry. There's already a sibling rivalry, but now yeah, well, it just got a little intense. And I, I didn't really know, like, at the time. I knew we were rivalries, but I know every you know every college has rivalries. But I didn't know that – I didn't know how big of a rivalry uh, 
State and Ole Miss baseball was at the time. Until when he actually committed, there was like oh, there was a lot of people giving us a lot of stuff about uh, how big the rivalry is, you know, house divided, all that type of stuff. So but yeah, it was it'll be cool if he when he comes up here and uh, for us to be across the across the field from each other playing in such a huge game. When did it click, right? When did it click that allows you to get to the place where you are now, where in conference games you're hitting like 367 with an OPS of 1.06 or something like that. You got an OBP well over four. You're leading off now. What clicked? When did it click? I mean, it clicked in the in the fall. He told me, uh, you know, Jacob did a hell of a job in the fall. Uh, hats off to him. He uh, really good hitter, really good defender. The kid just he, he just performs. And um, he told me in the fall that I did uh, I did really good, but it just wasn't a spot for me. And since that day, honestly, I, I've never really accepted being a bench player. Uh, I never will. So when that happened, it uh, automatically clicked from right there. I need to change something to, you know, uh, better my position because I ain't trying to go on the bench all year. That's not something that I'm cool with. So when I was able to get the opportunity, my dad always told me, uh, just keep working and when you, when you get, your opportunity will come. And it did. And I was able to uh, do a good job and, you know, uh, get the – Coach's uh, approval for me to stay in the lineup. Offensively, you're such a natural in that your swing, it doesn't look like there's a lot of movement to it. It's just very free because, I mean, again, the numbers now are just absolutely ridiculous. So in the box, you've always had an advanced approach, but was there anything mechanically or maybe just between the ears mentally that you had to fix, or was that just something that came with time, with more reps? I would say it was mentally and and with time, with uh, with more reps. Um being able to see uh, faster pitching more often, it was able to uh, allow me to trust my hands a little bit more. Uh, didn't really have to try to guess at pitches as much. And um, mentally, I think I just um, being more confident. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really the, the, the shown confident one as much as my brother is. He's, he's really outspoken and confident, and he's like a he's like a pit bull mentality, my dad says. But uh, I'm more of a laid-back kind, so I try to – Anytime I walk up to the plate now, I try to think in my head, you know, I'm the best. I'm, I'm about to get a hit right here, you know. So I just try to – I've been uh, – some, you know, confidence boosters help as well. Clem's been on this podcast so many times when we've talked about this. Look, in baseball, you have to have arrogance when you step into the box, right? Because if you don't – if you don't think oh, yeah. you're going to beat the crap out of the guy in front of you, he's going to get the ball by you. So, I mean, arrogance in baseball, man, that's something you got to have. That's something that if you don't have it, you're going to fail more often than you're going to succeed. That's the best hitters in baseball. So I think it's hilarious when people go, oh, he's got this confidence about him. When we talked to you, somebody said, are you surprising yourself? And you're like, no, which I love because I'm like, of course he does. He's not surprising himself. He expects to go out there and do well, man. So confidence in baseball, you're a big believer in it, right? That you have to be the best. You are the best. You got to feel that way. For sure. All the time. Uh, and honestly, my my brother helped me with that too. I ain't gonna lie. Like being around him, uh, ever since we was kids, I think it's just because uh, growing up, he's always been the youngest. Uh, we would go play basketball, football anywhere with like people in the neighborhood, our cousins, and he's always been the youngest. So he's always had to have that dog. You know what I mean? So uh, being around him really helped me too. Because when he gets in the box, you can tell like he ain't scared of nobody. So uh, I kind of took that with me up there too, and I, I just hold it. That's how I face any pitcher. I don't really care. So uh, whatever it is, I just go up there with confidence. And he's helped me out with that. So, You've got five home runs in the league. You're eight for eight in stolen bases. Which is more fun, swiping a bag or pimping a home run? And please tell me if you hit an absolute no-doubter. 
that you're going to at least admire it for a minute and then flip the shit out of it. That's just what I want to say. One time, just one time, <laughs> you know, flip it hard. I think I think stealing bags. Actually, no, no, no. Homeless are way more fun, but <laughs> I feel more accomplished when I steal a when I steal a base though, because uh, some of the best catches in in uh, baseball and in the steal based on them let me feel like I'm like really fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. And when you get there and secure the bag, just that moment when you get up and look back at the dugout, you know. But as far as pimp jobs, I am not like a. I don't know. I've never, I've never pimped home runs before. I just, even when I know it's gone, like the the home run I hit at Alabama, um, I knew it was going off the bat, but I just never really had that thought when I hit a ball to just sit there and watch it. Cause I feel, I always feel like the wind's going to stop it and it's going to land and I'm <laughs> going to look stupid, you know? So I just, I always just at least jog or something like that, but. The one I hit off Kumar, yeah, I was running pretty fast when I first hit that one. Yeah, but well, see, uh, you could do like a Marcelo Zuna and jog down the first baseline, and once you see, okay, it's out, then turn around and like take a selfie, kind of like mock selfie kind of deal, <laughs> do something like that. I'm just saying, uh, there's a way, uh, no. there's a way, because that's an accomplishment, man. That's what I always say when people say, oh, no, they need to you know, respect the game. I, I don't care about none of that, man. The game's supposed to be fun, and that's a hell of an accomplishment when you hit a ball out like that. And your bomb in Alabama was an absolute oh, yeah. tank. So if you can't pimp that one, we just got to get one, okay, TJ? We got to get one because, look, I've made two GIFs, one of you kind of strutting across home plate. Now we need one more GIF yeah. of you pimping a home run. I, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can okay. do. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's all I need. That's all I need. But stealing bags, man, there's an art to that. And that's something that I think gets a little bit lost in today's game, the modern game. You just don't see it all that much anymore. How do you get a good jump off of a pitcher? What are the tails or what are the uh, different things that you have to notice that allows you to get from first to second as quickly as possible and be to throw. In, in college, they we really have a good like scouting report. Like in the uh, in the hitters meeting, they tell us about the pick moves. So like you can either be uh, really alert for the pick move if it's good, or if it's bad, you can you know be off the base more stuff like that. And um, look for pitch counts. Um, our coaches take times of how fast they throw from uh, go from when they lift their leg to the ball hitting the catcher's mitt. So we know. Uh, around what time we can, you know, make it to second. But for me, when I'm on first, I always, when I'm getting ready to steal, the coaches tell us uh, you're only allowed to get picked off if you're about to steal. So um, with that being said, I just look at the front foot. If I see this whole body twist, then I'll go back. But I look at the front foot, and as soon as it flinches, I just take off and react. Uh, it's been huge for me working on my first step because that's really what uh, was holding me back a lot of that in high school getting that first good step and being able to go because my legs are so long. So I've been working on that, and I think it's gotten better. So I think that's what has allowed me to still more basis, more consistent. Well, one thing that I've thought about, too, is that we as Ole Miss people, be it the media, the fans, it doesn't matter. We don't know what T.J. McCann's the shortstop looks like. Because of the pandemic, we didn't get to see practices or anything like that. A true self-evaluation, T.J., of T.J. McCann's the shortstop, how would you break yourself down? Uh, I'd say I have pretty good range. Uh, arms not, he's not the strongest, like, uh, like a Manny Machado or anything like that, but you know, it's average. It, it gets the job done. And, uh, I think I, I, I'm not, I'm pretty laid back when I play. Uh, I'm in, I'm focused, but it probably, you probably think I'm laid back just cause how I move and stuff, my posture. I get that a lot, I guess. But, um, I like, you know, I like the position I play with passion, so. Yeah, I mean, you just have to come watch and see to learn more, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Because I'm thinking about this. You know, next year, 
you're draft eligible because of your age. And I didn't know if you thought of yourself more projected as a shortstop, a center fielder. Like, the draft is a long way away. You got a lot of things to worry about before then. But when you're thinking about your professional future, because let's be honest, all you guys are thinking about it at some point, and that's what you're playing this game for, do you project yourself more at that position? Do you think that's where the future is? Oh, honestly, I'm I'm just, yeah, I, I think so. But, but right now, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just focusing on this season and uh, trying to be the best center fielder for the team. So I haven't really thought about that yet because it's, it's, it is so far away. But uh, that's where I played my whole life. So obviously, I do feel like I could uh, provide, I could play there better. But, uh, you know, it's something I have to think about later, you know. That's a good answer. God, you sound like a coach. Listen at you. One of the last things I'll let you go, you and Jacob Gonzalez, man, you're two true freshmen, huge parts of this offense. You were leading off this weekend. What's that relationship like with you guys, man? Because when people think about you, yes, you're the present of Ole Miss baseball, but you're also the future of Ole Miss baseball. What's that relationship like with you guys? Uh, It's it's crazy because, you know, a bunch of people would think that we're not cool or something like that because, you know, he took your position, something like that. I don't know, but... Honestly, me and Jacob, he's probably the closest uh, on the team to, to me other than uh, me, other than Trey, because, you know, me and Trey from the same hometown. You know, I knew him before I even came up here. But uh, me and Jacob, you know, we live together. We're basically always with each other. Like, uh, we always walk. Like, when I would come into the facility without him, they'd be like, where's your where's your roommate? Stuff like that. I'm like, uh, like you know what I mean? So we're always with each other. We're cool. Uh, we really don't even talk about baseball forever. We're not here, to be honest. But, uh you know, he's a cool dude, really mellow. Doesn't really talk a lot, but uh, unless you get to know him for real. But, yeah, he's cool. Me and him, are, uh, we have a really good relationship. That's my boy. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think our relationship's solid, you know. All the different things, the adverse situations y'all have faced, y'all continue to come back. Is that something that's been like a calling card for this team, the resiliency? Y'all don't allow anything to keep y'all from the overall goal of we still think we've got everything it takes to make it to Omaha? Yeah, uh, Coach B, he talks about being relentless all the time, uh, you know, having the toughness to embrace adversity. So um, we've had a lot of adversity this, this season, and uh, we've been able to overcome it. You know, we just keep on playing, you know, one pitch at a time and competing, you know, uh, losing Gunner, Bake, Trey, you know, all those losses were, were tough on us. But, you know, we just keep on going. You know, we just keep fighting. And I think, yeah, we still do have a chance at Omaha, but – yeah, it was really it was really tough, you know, hearing Tim's Tim's news and Gunner's news, as those were like uh, was like our big uh, like top dogs. So uh, especially being that they were out so long, but I think I think Tim was, is on his way back though, so that might not be bad. But yeah, we we just keep uh, going out there and competing every day. Tim Elko hitting his home run as a pinch hitter with a torn ACL. How cool was that for you to say? That was like really, it was really cool. Uh, I actually tore my ACL when I was in seventh grade, and uh, that's that's crazy that he was able to do that. So um, I was on first base when it happened, and that's right. Uh, it was one out, and I'm I'm pretty sure as a base runner, when the ball goes up, you're supposed to, you know, be halfway. But I already knew when he hit it, it was gone. You know, his backside juice is is crazy. So uh, when he hit it, I was already celebrating, coming around the bases, and. Watching him strut around the bases was awesome. Like just getting to celebrate that moment with him. You got to be delicate though when he crosses home plate. Like usually y'all maul each other. Y'all probably had to like delicately tap him, just like oh yay Tim, yay all right, right. You can't, oh, you can't yeah. do the whole like banging the head and stuff. Yeah, we did. We was we was real soft on 
There you go. Yeah, you got to take care of him. He's an old man at this point. Well, last thing, man. I mean, looking at this team moving forward, is it Omaha or bust for you? Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely think we 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 gonna make a good uh, run, and we are gonna make it to Omaha, and we are gonna surprise some people if they don't believe in us. But I feel like uh, I feel like we're an Omaha team. So yeah, I think we I think we got it. He's T.J. McCants, Ole Miss center fielder for now, probably shortstop next year. We'll see. But he comes on this podcast because look. I've been made fun of on the Ole Miss Spirit message board for how much I've talked about how good T.J. McCants is. It was only a matter of time. Thanks for coming (laughs) on and doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.